Empire of the Sun. Suns. Empire of the Suns. Wet like on book. Wet like on book. Wet like on book. Arizona Sports presents the Empire of the Suns podcast. Empire of the Suns. Empire of the Suns podcast. My name is Kellen Olson, joined as always by Kevin Zerman. Spoilers, there won't be cats talk in this episode. I don't even know what cats talk is, man. I don't even know what you're talking about. The Phoenix Suns have lost three of their last four games. Quite a whole lot has changed since the last time we podcasted. We apparently jinxed the crap out of this team by the theme of our episode being, yeah, everyone's just playing really well. (laughs) Like just every player on the team is playing well. That. Just all around the optimism of last episode. DeAndre Ayton wins Western Conference Player of the Week. Devin Booker wins Western Conference Player of the Month. Don't be optimistic. Is that what we learned here? I don't know. The Suns, we'll talk about what we thought we learned, because I don't even know if anyone can say with certainty they learned something. The Suns lost to the Rockets 122-121. That's kind of a weird... I, I think people are forgetting about that. Yeah. That that was maybe... One, that's going to be one of their worst losses of the season, but now it's going to be tough because there's two ahead of them. Now, uh, we saw it with the last game they played against the Rockets, which was also in Phoenix, where Houston really, really gets after the offensive glass, and it just presented problems to them again. Second chance points, things like that. They play downhill. They get to the free throw line. Yes, the yeah. free throw disparity, whatever, but... Hey, one team plays a lot more and Monty will mention like we get in the paint just as much as any other team. I I would like to see the numbers on that because I don't see it personally from an eye test perspective. But when you watch a team like Houston, you see it. Then they go on to just obliterate the Spurs, which is that type of game where the Spurs are missing a few key guys already. Um, And the type of response we've come to expect from this team from losses, but bad losses specifically. Like they, they barely lost to the, their last loss before the Houston game was the Jazz game, and they destroyed the Knicks, killed the Knicks. Then they proceed to have what I am dubbing games eight and nine, which <laughs> were a 19 point loss that's being very kind uh, against the Dallas Mavericks in Dallas on Monday. The Suns were down 26 at halftime, and then they topped that by being down 27 at halftime to the Boston Celtics at home on Wednesday in a 27-point loss. Suns are going on a four-game road trip, and I would like to think that Josh Okoji is not going to pay for any of his meals on that entire trip because (laughs) he scored 28 points, and that should have been a 40-point final total. He made it look a lot better than what it was with his career-high 28 points. Boston took less than seven minutes into the second half to extend the lead to 45. Monty had seen enough, pulled the starters. I'm going to let you open yeah, and decide what you want to read from these four games. The three losses specifically, obviously we're focusing on the most recent two, which are, I cannot remember. I'm going to scroll through just to make sure, but I cannot remember two, a worse loss in the regular season since Chris Paul got here. Yes, they during the 8-8 eight eight stretch, they had some bad losses. Like they lost... Like that Rockets game, they lost to the Thunder in situations like that. Like they lost to teams who had a bunch of guys missing and 
the Memphis game at the end of last year, two years ago, the Santi Aldama game where he started going nuts. <laughs> We're like, what's going on here? They, yeah. Their entire, literally their entire oh, rotation, yeah. like John Murray, Desmond Bain, Jaron Jackson Jr. are all on the bench in street clothes going crazy. Yeah, yeah there, were, there are some really terrible losses in there, but nothing like this because I think this specifically, DeAndre, as he often does, put it best post game when he said, I, it's frustrating because we don't lose two in a row. Yes, they lose two games in a row sometimes, but they have a mentality like we don't lose two in a row. And he said, when we get good teams that come in here and compete, we show up for that. Like we match them and try and we not only try to match them, we try to best them with that competitive spirit. So we're playing against Dallas and Boston alone as basketball teams. And then he's like, we do. We just didn't do that. So what do you I kind of already went into my thing. a yeah. bit, But what did you choose to take away from this Ooh. all right when you see what is the the saying about one times a coincidence two times a trend three times a- fool me once shame on you fool me twice shame on me is that where we're going or are you doing the one, other one? of those there's a there's another third, one three times is a trend yeah is that the something one? like that yeah i don't know how it goes but i know that's how um it so last night let's say the dallas thing's a bad matchup or there's multiple there's what eight coincidences where they just play badly against that team whatever but then the the boston game coming off the dallas game i thought i had drank too much and i was like all right i'm just gonna sleep on this mm-hmm. and i came back today and, and i'm sober now i wasn't like drunk or anything but you know okay you, i want to i want to stew on it you reckless young yeah man i want to stew on it anyway and I'm still at the same place where I'm like, okay, this is a problem now. And yes, it's the same stuff we've discussed before. Um, the free throw thing, lack of ball handlers, whatever. But that one where you're coming off a loss against the MVP, maybe front runner, and then there's the other guy who probably is the front runner with him, and you have a chance for redemption. You get Chris Paul back, shot in the arm. Um, the fact that they quit was the concerning part back-to-back games yeah they quit more aggressively in the boston game yes. They quit in a way where they quit like game seven but and like people put it started putting it on eight and midway through the game but you look at mikhail bridges numbers absolutely gets bodied by two of the best wings can't shoot which you know you have bad game shooting booker i'm not going to put a whole lot on him because teams can just and James Jones said it yesterday on air. Teams can just blitz him, get the ball away from him. You look at the injury situation. Chris Paul's not completely healthy coming back. Mikel's not on, whatever. Um, That's fine. Like, he's going to have bad games, and people are throwing it at him right now. But, like, his... I, I don't know if it was the fourth or fifth foul when he just hand-checked someone for number four or five when he was already deep in foul trouble. It's just like, oh, does he just want to leave now? Does he want to get ejected out of this thing? Does he want to leave the court for the game? Yeah. Yes. Just Everyone. to specify. Yeah. Yeah, you tweeted that, and I was like, <laughs> you should have clarified, because people are weird. I, I'm not going to clarify that. If people take that the wrong way, whatever. <laughs> you should try being me I for know. a day, brother. I know. But, yeah, it's it's a concerning thing, and I think my major takeaway after saying all that is, like, I'm not... And a terribly, terribly worse place than I was when the season started. And and I think this team's still going to be fine for the regular season. Um, but I think there's something when 
athletes who like do color analyst stuff make comments like Eddie Johnson I'm sure in the past has said like teams just need a shakeup right and there's just this weird energy about a team that's been together too long you need a change and that's where I think you have to look at this team and say they really do need a shakeup of some sort to whether it's give them energy whether it's to like put people on notice whether it's to just change the energy in the room they need something and usually trades are the number one way to do that um but yeah that that's where i'm at and i think i don't want to like minimize it to like two games and i don't think james jones is going to panic or act any differently but i think this is just a big piece of com- this week has been a big piece of confirmation that we really do need to not just settle with with this team and really try to push maybe harder for a trade that they like um and i'm sure they already were but i i, I think it's if you're a Suns fan, you should kind of be like, okay, well, we should be happy that this isn't this team's not the twenty and five team or the twenty one and five team running it back to make James Jones not act right. Because I think we would all agree, even if they were that good right now, there'd still be problems. So I think it, it could end up being beneficial where this this front office is like, okay, by February we got to do something. Uh, for those listening who did the required reading, thank you so much. Uh, you know my answer to this sort of already. One thing I want to hit on that kind of in, embraces or uh, not embraces, strengthens my point that I made and my reaction to this that I wrote about. You and I, it was either the first or the second podcast after Game 7. I don't think it was the Game 7 React pod, but I think it was our <laughs> first like off-season preview. We literally went through the entire roster and said, will they 100% be back next year? And we did, we yeah, yes, I noted. Wanted, I we wanted. went through the entire roster. We did it for everyone. And we, even on Mikel, we were like, 99.9, can't say 100. Jay was obviously a no. I think Cam was a no because of his contract stuff. One of us might have said yes. Maybe we came to yes on that. But yeah, you and I both agreed that looking at the top six of the team which was the starting lineup last year plus cam johnson so jay crowder included we agreed that something needed to change in there that's where we were at and it technically did because they just <laughs> lost one of them and didn't get anything for him yet they will soon enough here we'll, we'll make our usual pre- prediction at the end we didn't last episode we forgot but our spoiler alert our answer was no <laughs> to will jay crowder be traded by the next time we podcast This strengthens my point on these two games just serving as a reminder of where this team was at after game seven. So in case you were not rose color tinted glasses looking at the last 20, the first 23 games of the season, but more so if you were like us where you just kind of the news cycle and the narrative aged itself out and we were kind of moving on to talking about other things as we tend to do because we're not going to sit here and talk about game seven for seven straight months or whatever, right? (laughs) But this just served as a reminder that the stink of game seven is not coming off this team. It has not come off of them yet. And they are the ones that are in control of whether this is what they are going to be known for as a team. Because yes, they won 64 games. Yes, they made the finals the year before that. But I'm sorry, but this is what they are going to be remembered for for the majority of people. For me, I'm going to remember them in an entirely different way and probably you too. 
but the majority of the NBA fan base, the majority of the league, to be honest, I was just talking about this on Wolf and Luke. Like you imagine how we basketball fans and people who cover the teams and stuff are talking about them. Imagine how the league is talking about them right now. It, it can't be good. And you can kind of get a feel for what everyone was saying on Twitter and all that stuff, like beyond just like taking the memes for the bad jokes they are or whatever. I, I think, yeah, I think people across the league kind of see this team as they respect the crap out of them, but they see it as Devin Booker's really good and we can kind of do enough to stop him. And I don't know if you want to get into it now about Chris Paul, but until he gets even close, like we haven't seen him close to like an all-star form this year. So like until he's close to all NBA or even all-star form, I don't think we get to see if this team can compete now. If he can get to that, I don't have any clue right now. But one of the things that I was thinking about last night and I think is interesting and when you talk about going back to game seven of last year to now is how you view the different pieces because obviously like for example Mikel has yeah we're gonna get into this yeah has changed a bunch Chris Paul obviously is what I just talked about um Booker's taking another step Aiton's whatever you see the week by week um and this is where I think it'd be a fun episode or if you want to right now you can but play a game where it's we rank, okay, who's the least likely person you want to be trade? Let's pretend they trade for Kevin Durant or make a big blockbuster at, in February. Kyle Kuzma. Well, let's we're going to talk about Kyle Kuzma. I think it'd be fun to make a top something five, ten list of guys you definitely want to be on the next iteration of the team because that's changed since like yeah. game seven. So like Booker would be number one. You want him to be on the next. There would be like three tiers separating him and anyone else. Yeah. I think it was a little closer before. But like... Now, Chris Paul is definitely higher on that list because yes. it's like, I don't know if I just don't know. And obviously want to have more time to see if he can get closer back to that level because he just came off the injury. He was one game in against the best team in the NBA. That's not fair to him. He's higher on the list, though. Um, Mikel has kind of helped himself. But if you're talking about a trade, like he's an important piece to a trade, maybe not doing it in a vacuum, looking at it for what the team needs. Yeah. So I think. And that's hard to do. It is hard to do like as a straight list because it's like they're going to have to be packaged and then you have to consider who's coming back. But still, it's going to be a thing we're going to do later on where we rank who needs to be piece parts of the future team. And Aiton just being a center makes him a weird conversation too. Yeah, so all the last two games just really reinforce where they're at right now in, in that really broad zoomed out version of how they're viewed and just where they are at and look i'm not saying they should care about how they are viewed and how they will be remembered but it's just it directly aligns with what their goals are which are to win a championship so and those those internal like if you like you've said the on air just now you said like how does the toronto raptors gm view this team like that's an informed nba person who has an opinion about how they this team can function and whether it's complete or not and i think coaches also have a say in that and when you look at what they're probably saying and guess it's yeah, yeah. what i noticed happening last night and i noticed happening today more than anything else is that excuse is the wrong word but everyone is welcoming the opportunity right now to shout 
to the rooftops, old man yelling at Cloud, yeah. Grandpa Simpson, rawr, uh, about what's wrong with this team, in their opinion. And the, this has just kind of been the, everyone talk about what you think is wrong with the team. That includes people tweeting me that they should fire the coach, fire <laughs> the GM. Yeah. Bit extreme, but this circles back to things we've talked about a lot. DeAndre Ayton for the last five years. Uh, the need for a ball handler for the last three years? It's less than that. We kind of like when, 20... when Chris Paul got in, we were like, okay, that's a good enough ball handler. We'll, we'll stop talking about a point guard need for a while. And then it quickly we're back on it resurfaced yeah. uh, by the end of the like, season, by the trade deadline of that year. Arguing, quite honestly. Yeah. People so, were arguing with me about the, the Rockets game, about their free throws discrepancy. And it's like, I looked at the missed shots, which means... Yeah. They didn't get foul drawns, and the Suns have like four little dots, and the yeah. Rockets have a million that they missed. Plus, you consider how many times they went to the free throw line, plus the makes. Like, this team just doesn't get to the rim. Whatever kind of take you want to fire off, you can use these two games looking at the way Luka and Jason Tatum, they were both awesome in these games, and comparing it to the way Booker played to get off your Booker takes. Whatever you want to choose to do with this, everyone was firing them off. and Free it, country, yeah. Look, you, you're not wrong. I think a lot of them were a lot of them are wrong, to be clear. But I think the more logical sound ones we've been talking about for a really long time aren't wrong. But another interesting thing is happening where I think people who were either not discussing these things or were lightly broaching these things are now treating them as if they're more serious now after two games in the regular season, which is weird. But um I was listening to Burns and Gambo yesterday and they had a segment on Chris Paul and, and Gambo a couple of times repeated this point he was making where he's like, the Suns need Chris Paul to be at an elite level yeah. to win a championship this year. And he, and he kept saying it over and over again. And it, we've been talking about that for a really long time. And this is not haha. We were first to a take. Why are you talking about it now? It's just like, no, I think that people are not realizing now, but just the the importance and the magnitude of certain elements that we've been talking about are really coming into the fold right now. Like, yes, he cannot. He needs to be point god still. He cannot yeah, be because otherwise he's Ricky Rubio, and that's let's he, they're at they're back be, at Bubble Suns, which is a good team, but not a yeah. He cannot be Ricky Rubio getting to a mid range jumper from time to time, essentially. Yeah. Like and and a better shooting Ricky Rubio, whatever the com- the comparison you want to make. That's not that's like I'm giving that comp a D plus, but it's yeah. but you're to just reinforce like Value comparing the best of point player. guard of his generation to Ricky Rubio, who was a fine NBA point guard. But to your point, it's not the fact that having that kind of player is a bad thing. It's having that kind of player on this team spells disaster. Because or not disaster, even just like you're in disaster being yeah. you're burning out in the first or second round again yeah. when you should have made the final. You should have won the title last year. Yeah, I'm I'm up in the air on two years ago. Still, I think that they rounded. They were doing the hockey playoff team thing where they were playing their best basketball at the perfect time. And I thought that they were going to at least make the finals that year. But I thought they were going to win it last year. And now it's like it seems like the ship is the ship has sailed just to like say the quiet part out loud as i tend to do on here from time to time but but we'll see i it's just again i thought that they were going to be the best regular season team in the league again but i just thought there were problems with the roster that are going to loom pretty large 
in, in the postseason. I don't. Do you want to elaborate on those problems more or just kind of zoom past them and look big picture instead? I think it would be repetitive if we yeah. zoom, if we Cause didn't I don't, zoom. I don't want people to feel like we're being obnoxious or being like, we've already talked about this, go back and listen to the other episode, but we're not going to top the way we ranted about a secondary score three episodes ago in terms of how much we got into the conversation. And we've talked about Aiden over and over again. And we've, <laughs> it quite is honestly, what it is. we've talked about Booker reaching the top 10, top five, like pedestal that we've talked about with him so much. And then we talked about Chris, we talked about campaign. I will say from those games, Chris physically looked fine to me. I don't know how you felt, but Ooh. in person, I mm-hmm. thought he was moving fine. I don't. To, I to think what? He, to what he? I think he looked worse than before he got hurt, which is like kind of fair because he's probably out of shape. Mm-hmm. But it didn't look great. I was. He was far I, from the like biggest problem. I'm thinking though. of what I when I said that. I was thinking of the examples. I was thinking of most of them were on offense, so I wasn't paying attention on defense as much when I was watching the game last night. Is that where you saw most of it? It just looked like it was hard to move, especially to start, but then it looked like it got better. So I don't know if it's like one of those. That's the hard thing. I don't know if it's an injury where it's just like I need to warm up and get into this. And he started moving better. But like at first I was like, oh, no, is he hurts like still like legit just closing out and stuff, scrambling, chasing stuff, just sprinting looked hard. But that could, again, be a got to get in shape thing. The one thing I'll talk about in the Boston game to translate here is that I think it was Sam from the timeline who posted the half of my recap. I I like I am do this on teams during the game. I was like half my recap is just this horrible two minutes that is like the worst basketball I've ever seen them play. Well, probably not. I've seen them play like this team for Monty Williams, Chris Paul. They will not play a worse two minutes than that this year. And I don't think they've played a worse two minutes like that since Monty got here. One of the plays, the start of the set was Marcus Smart just getting a pass on the right wing, and he just stood there, wasn't pressured off the ball or anything, just stood there and then watched Derek White float out of like a jumbled up screen curling action kind of thing where he was like a, that was a decoy for him to release to the corner. No one near him. Marcus Smart throws the pass over there. He hits the three. Sam posted that I think it was Sam or Durag I can't remember who but one of those two tweeted that and he just kind of illustrated how the the threats of that being Marcus Smart on the ball who Monty mentioned this pregame like he doesn't get enough credit right now for how much he's improved offensively and how he's a legitimately good offensive player at this stage of his career and that's not just because he's a good shooter like he's a he's a playmaking guard now. You got Malcolm Brogdon, who's been incredible for them, one of the best three-point shooters in the league right now. You've got Derek White, who we talked about when we were looking at last finals and assessing and comparing. We mentioned White is like, would he be the second or third best dribble guy on the, well, behind Chris at the time. Would he be the third or fourth best dribble guy on the Suns right now? It's like, yeah, he would be by a pretty big margin. But we haven't mentioned Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum yet. (laughs) (laughs) Those two guys. And just the amount of threats that they have and those, all those guys can shoot too and it's just this whole uh, package that they have that they can throw at teams and we rolled through the depth a little bit. Um, to talk about trades to close out just because it feels like that's where we're at right now. We're getting towards December 15th. Bobby Marks uh, very helpfully 
released a article going through all of the guys who on December 15th, it kind of triggers those guys being available. And the list isn't really that inspiring just to give uh, people were like, Ooh, why is PJ Tucker the picture of the stories or something going on there? And it's like, well, he's like the most notable guy that becomes available. I will say kind of looking around what I was looking at personally, Kevin were salary numbers because I'm looking at guys who become available on the 15th and they make around five to 10 million where they can be an extra salary attached to a guy. Say you're trading for a guy that makes 10, 15 million. We add this guy that makes seven or 10 or whatever. And we kind of go from there. Uh, Boston has Danilo Gallinari, who of course is out for the year making 6.4 million on Boston. Brooklyn has Patty Mills on the same. I believe that's his taxpayer mid-level exception at 6.4 million. Cleveland has Ricky Rubio making 5.8 million. He's on December 15th. Now, are these guys who are saying the Suns should trade for? No. Again, to reiterate what I just said, just to repeat myself again, <laughs> we're talking salary filler more than anything else. Denver has Bruce Brown, but he's not going anywhere. That guy is good and he is good no. yeah. on that team. Old friend alert, Jalen Smith makes $4.6 million for Indiana. He becomes available in a trade on December 15th as well. Clippers have John Wall. He's not going anywhere. The Lakers have Lonnie Walker. I don't think he's going anywhere. Caleb Martin in Miami was someone who you wrote about a bit, Kevin. He His $6.4 million, that's a December 15th trigger as well. Joe Ingles is a really interesting one in Milwaukee because, of course, we've heard the Grayson Allen rumors. We've heard that Milwaukee wants Jay Crowder. That's been one of the buzzed about teams. Ingles hasn't played yet this year. He's coming off the knee recovery. I read that he's going to be due back sometime in January, it looks like. But uh, how are they feeling about him? How does he look? Is he going to be ready for this year? Would they just, again, coming off a major knee injury, he's going to have three months to get ready for the playoffs. You're shaking your head. Kyle Anderson in Minnesota. Oh, in Minnesota. Woo. If they blow that up, I guess. Eight, $8.7 million he's on. Uh, Hartenstein in New York is making seven point eight. There was There were two more in here that were particularly interesting. I'm still scrolling. Excuse me. Toronto has Otto Porter making $6 million. And then the best for last, uh, DeLon Wright in Washington makes $7.8 million. And I mention that because we have heard Shams reporting that the Suns have discussed Kyle Kuzma. Now, here's a problem, Kevin, for the common listener. You're like, oh, Kyle Kuzma on a bad Wizards team. Like, yeah, like a first round pick or whatever to get him. Uh, Kyle Kuzma is averaging 21 points and eight rebounds and four assists per game right now. He is shooting 46, 31, 74 from the field on an 11 and 14 surprisingly competitive Wizards team that traded big for Bradley Beal and Chris Dapps Porzingis and just paid Bradley Beal a lot of money. Yeah. Kuzma is on expiring, which is what makes it particularly interesting and kind of opens the door still. But Kuzma is third banana, arguably second banana on this team, depending on how you feel about Chris Apps. And then he would have to come here and presumably come off the bench, you would think. You would have to go up a lot. And I, we talked about him briefly in July, June, somewhere around there. I brought him up. I liked him as a sneaky Suns guy. Because people think of Kyle Kuzma, bad shot taker. 
I think of Kyle Kuzma Lakers winning championship glue guy from the bubble. I saw him go like 13 for 13 at Utah once. And that's how I think of him. He can score the ball yeah. and do dribble things at a position where that's kind of rare these days. When I was on with the timeline guys in July, I talked about, and I think this inclination looking at it now, um, looking at it now compared to when I said it kind of further emphasizes how patient the sons are being. I asked the guys, I was like, how wild are they willing to get? Will they just give up two unprotected first for Kyle Kuzma right now? Like how, how crazy are they going to get? Will they do something that big where it's like, whoa, they're swinging because you can swing for Kevin Durant. Kevin, mm-hmm. like, yes, oh, no, they won't have any picks. Well, they will have picks, actually. They'll have the even years, not the odd years. Like, they're not losing all their picks. And it's Kevin Durant, and there's, and it's, it's Kevin Durant. Now, trading half those picks, though, for a guy who might leave in a year. Yeah. <laughs> now, that's crazy. That's getting wild. Now, will they be willing to get wild? Again, the worst time to do this episode is coming off the two worst losses in the Chris Paul, Monty Williams era, and they happened in 48 hours. But I look at this list of December 15th guys and like the guys who have salaries becoming available. And I think the right way for me to ask you this question, Mr. Zimmerman, to stop my blabbering for once. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. You're good. Uh, <laughs> yes. Do you think they're going to move the needle when they make a J trade? I think they will. And I think they will at least at like a Kuzma level. Whoa. I don't, I think they have leverage, maybe not even a Kuzma level, but like not, I think they have leverage to just wait this out and they're good at keeping things secret. So like his camp won't be like, well, you had this trade on the table to get him to a team. Why didn't you do it? I don't think that's going to come out. I think that they are good at telling teams like we're not really that interested, but they might be and they'll just put it in the back pocket for later. And they're trying to find a big deal. And I think the Jay Crowder thing, like ideally you don't just do one for one or him in draft picks for something. Even you, you package him in like Dario for something. I think that's ideal. And you go big you get a guy who's making a lot of money like that level and you just wait for that and whether that's Kuzma or someone else. But I don't I don't think there's a good reason to trade Jay Crowder's salary at $10 million or whatever and get a somewhat equivalent salary coming back. I just think you need to wait and I think they are going to find something. But it is a couple months into the season and right now it, it there's not really... I don't know. I guess it's usually like this, but there's not like a guy out there who's like, oh, they they really need to move and go get that guy. And that's why I think like you shouldn't be frustrated at this point because that's just not floating around out there. I'm not saying this in a way to be conspiracy theory. Ooh, they're making sure he doesn't get injured guy. I'm saying this in Wednesday was a situational instance in the rotation where Landry Shamit was the fifth guy off the bench. And it just kind of speaks to how on certain nights he could be at that point right now. Mm-hmm. Now he's coming off the concussion, still getting his rhythm. Does he have no trust with Monty Williams anymore? Or is there a, like a lack of trust there now in his ability to play? I don't think so. I don't think it's at that degree, but it was a 
That was weird. Yeah. I, I know Suns fans. I was walking after the uh, Houston game because it ended at the buzzer. I like walked through like the crowded uh, concessions, uh, whatever. I'll wait. Concourse, it's it's concourse, really hard to get downstairs wow. to the coach's room when the game ends right away. You got to get through fans and stuff. And I had someone yelling at me to ask Monty about Landry Shaman and why he's playing it anymore. Shout out to that dude. What's up, man? Wish we could have had a nice little face to face interaction, but I was in a hurry. I gave you the thumbs up. I don't know if you saw it. Uh, I know those types of people especially are going to be driven crazy by this kind of notion, but it doesn't feel like Shaman is in this position anymore where they value him to the point where they would be skeptical of including him in a deal. Does that make sense? I think that was that that was different. Yeah. I think there has been change there. They yeah. are more receptive to the idea of including him in a deal, whereas before I think they were looking at him like one of the most important pieces of I their mean, bench. And now Josh Akoji is at a point now where if we're playing a team with multiple on-ball options where we need more of the impactful defender and Landry's a good defender, Josh Koji's just flat out one of the best in the league, if I'm being honest. It's just he's got to figure out the offense. I mean, so I'm going to say something crazy here. Back to my thought about who's the most you can't trade this guy if you go make a big deal in any respect. Um I honestly think James Jones, if he ever comes to the conclusion in the next few months, Chris Paul is not going to even get close to like an all-star level. I honestly think he would trade him in a, obviously it would have to be a big trade and a team would have to want his salary and be willing to pay half whatever's guaranteed next year as well. But I think James Jones, if he decided like this is going to be helpful for our team, I would rather trade Chris Paul than like DeAndre Ayton if he thinks that and he wouldn't have a problem with that. Does that make sense? I literally have not even spent one microsecond thinking about Chris Paul getting traded. So I'm trying to like this is like in my brain right now and I don't know. I'm why. just trying to figure out how they work as a team when he gets traded. So he would have to be traded. Let's for say an Kevin All-Star. Durant in a weird let's just say Kevin Durant's up for trades. If you want to trade Chris Paul and the Nets will t- take Chris Paul for whatever reason, they just blow things Who's up playing point guard. I don't know. They need a point guard. Not doing that again, Kevin. I'm not doing the point. guard. No, but again. I'm I saying, refuse. yeah, but I'm saying like he would trade him because I don't think he okay. operates in this thing where like yeah, Chris Paul's untradeable. It's just for me to even like entertain the conversation. Right. I would have to really think about from a team building perspective where right. they would be at if they traded him. But you would have fact, to have another. But deal. you have to you have to think about it because again, next year, fifteen of his thirty million dollars is guaranteed. I am right. extremely skeptical about until we find out what the ownership situation is. I am again extremely skeptical that they would just dump Chris Paul for fifteen million and say, oh, they'll use that money elsewhere. No, but I'm saying if it's to get Kevin Durant and it's easier to create, trade Chris Paul than Ke- uh, DeAndre I'm, Ayton to get Kevin Durant, I think they would consider doing it. But I'm saying instead of doing that, you you would just trade him. That would be the more ideal. Right. Way to that's why I'm saying yeah, they would. You wouldn't likely, have 15 no, million yeah. of dead money and then 15 million of open. They're money not going to They wouldn't the really necessarily use. No. I don't think. Like they would. There wouldn't really be a way to use it anyway. It would just lessen their tax bill essentially. Yeah. If they re-sign Cam Johnson, which holy smokes. That's why I'm saying they could consider trading this dude and it's gonna it could come up in the next few months. Yeah, exactly. I think we're agreeing. Yes, we okay. are. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's. I think that's what we're. That's what I'm, I'm trying to get to. But it's like from from the but... from the basketball building perspective of how their team looks without Chris Paul on it. I can't even begin to yeah fathom what that looks. You like. You need a good reason. Yes, you need a really good reason. I don't even think Kevin Durant would be a good enough reason. I think I would need. I would need. I would need an All Star quality point guard back. That's what I would need. If you get another deal, yeah. Wow, is that even possible? I I'm just I'm thinking in like. I'm preparing my brain for like weird things to happen and weird discussions to be had because he needs to show in the next few months. Are you saying the trades we kind of see where you're, you're not ruling out the possibility of trades happening where we go, Oh, it was really bad behind the scenes. Yeah. That kind of thing. Yeah. And not even like bad in a, like, but like, no, like in a toxic way. No, but just in a, Oh, like they're, they just can't fit together yeah, as a team anymore. Yes, they yeah, really, yeah. really needed something to change. Yeah. Not yeah. In like a toxic, they all hate each other kind of thing, but just right. like a, Oh man. Yeah. Clearly they can't, uh, they do not see a title contending team right now as built right. because of the way they're just flowing. Together. I'm just trying to open my brain in GM. Here we go. We got to a severe overreaction. I was talking about. Yeah. Here we go. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> you mentioned talking about this a week ago. Trading right. Chris Paul? No, but I'm just preparing for it. No, I know. And maybe I'm a year too I, early, but... I am not, and I can't tell if it's because I don't want to get people's expectations too high for a big trade, just like everyone does in any yeah. sport ever in this kind of situation. They're going to trade for Jalen Smith, and then everyone's going to be like, we you went were over talking about... When and- it's like, well, the backup plan is LeBron James in case Kevin Durant doesn't yeah. work out, so they're <laughs> fine. Um, Giannis is... He only has six years left on his deal. He hey, said this thing about Scottsdale one it's, time. It's much more likely Chris Paul starts playing a lot better. Giannis than- did not say anything about Scottsdale, just to be clear. Clear. So none of yeah. you even think about that. I, don't, I think they hate Giannis. I, I can't tell anymore. I, uh, Laddergate changed everything, Kevin. Everything about him. <laughs> Is Jay Crowder getting traded before next episode? No. To be clear, we are going to be recording on dramatic weight for the thing everyone wants to hear about. We are going to be podcasting on December 15th. You know this? What day is that? It's a Thursday. Okay. Just I'm usually in on Thursdays. That's usually how it goes. So you don't think so? No. Me neither. Okay. Just oh. Yeah. I don't know. Pump fake. Yeah. Well. Surprise. Th- this is... Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just going to ask, is this... Are you going to segue into anything else or... I was just going to close like I usually do with the schedule, but to talk about it, because if you have not taken a look at the schedule over the next two months, this is the toughest stretch of the year by far. They play 10 of their next 14 games on the road. I'm going to read those off to you, Kev. New Orleans, New Orleans, the 16 and not eight Western Conference leading New Orleans Pelicans, Houston, who plays them tough Clippers, Pelicans, the ever improving Los Angeles Lakers. Better than you think Wizards, Memphis, Denver, Memphis, Wizards again, Toronto, who has always been a bad matchup for this team, always, and they're good. Two cent, what a center matchup we have for the Arizona Wildcat fans. Oh, I can't wait. The Knicks, they, they didn't uh. look that great. <laughs> Cleveland, who we haven't seen yet, pretty good. Ooh. Miami, I don't know what's going on there. Ooh. Cleveland again, Golden State, Denver, Minnesota, Memphis, Brooklyn, Indiana, Memphis, Charlotte, Dallas, Indiana, not a San Antonio, Indiana's Toronto, really and now we are at the end of January. 
So it's not one of those things where it's like 14 of those 19 games are against teams above 500 because we're including teams like Lakers, Houston, Toronto, Miami, to some extent, like the Golden State, Memphis kind of tier isn't Denver. There aren't a ton of games against those teams, but there's a few, including New Orleans in there as well. But it's just a lot of really solid teams and a whole lot of those games are on the road. Again, they go on a four game road trip. They come back for four and then they go on the road for six. That's the Denver, Memphis, Washington, Toronto, New York, Cleveland. They come back home for two and then they go on the road for four more Golden State, Denver, Minnesota, Memphis. It's the toughest part of the schedule and it just comes at a really fascinating time, which is what I wrote about last night is like, oh man, like they need to really self-evaluate, self-reflection, all of this. And it's coming at a time in the schedule when they need to figure it out if it actually is a thing or if this was just a two games of horrible just horrible play they're going to be able to actually flush it we'll see just get into someone's body yeah that was, that was the weirdest part to me yeah that this was is, the weirdest part to me. that's the weirdest part of these blowouts is like they just they're just letting guys get they get they alpha they get yeah alpha'd. yeah then they don't get alpha it's weird do yeah. i guess all right we'll be back next episode everyone next week or Later tonight, Kevin, tomorrow is something on the horizon. We'll just have to wait and see. Does James Jones finally make his big trade? Oh. Have a nice week, everyone. Goodbye.